Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cocktail Conceit. Uh, this is an audio-based podcast uh, where... T- Stop, don't give me that look. <laughs> this is an audio-based podcast uh, where two friends who are also bartenders uh, get together and we talk about a piece of media that one of us likes. And then at the end, we have to come up with a cocktail based on that piece of media because that's The Cocktail Conceit. It sure is. My name is Adam Haskins. I am a bartender uh, who has been out of work for the better part of a year. My name is Logan Redden, and I'm a bartender who is reluctantly still working because the state I live in uh, is stupid. So, how you doing, Logan? That's uh, a loaded question. Like, it's, it's, a... It's, lo- it's been a loaded question for a good, uh, good part of the last eight months. But, uh, you know, all things considered, pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, on on the relative scale of 2020 is yes. how are you doing in 2020? I, I guess feel, maybe that's how we should ask. Yeah, like I would say on the scale of like how I am in 2020, uh, like like a good like seven or eight. I yeah, I think say. I think I would be at the around the same amount. I'm definitely mm-hmm. above average for 2020 days. It's good. Today. Yeah, I'm like like I would say it, it typically averages at like four or five, but today I'm having a pretty good day. Like I got some stuff done. I had the day off, so I didn't really have to do a whole lot. I just was running errands, and then I changed the brakes and the oil in my car, which was cool. I think I think I'm actually at a at a six. A six. I, okay. I had a, a small panic attack today. Oh yeah, that would put you at a six. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> which that's is fair. saying something. Where I can have a a day in 2020 where I have a small panic attack, <laughs> and that's still above average. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fucking where we're at, though. Uh, That's where we're at. Uh, yeah. For context, for anyone listening to this afterwards, we are recording on the We're 10th, recording in, in Halloween times. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. like in the month of October before Halloween. We'll say yeah. that. Um, and uh, life's weird. Life's weird. But yeah. they're not, we're not here to talk about that, Adam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are here to talk about what you're drinking today. Oh, yeah. That's right. I in true fashion, I have two cocktails. Well, one cocktail and a beer because I was drinking a beer and I made a cocktail for the cast. Um, the beer I'm drinking is um, let me pull it out real quick just so Adam can see it. It's El Dorado Hero by Revolution. El Dorado Hero. Okay. El Dorado Hero by Revolution Brewing, which is one of my favorite breweries. Ooh, okay. It's, it's really solid. It's an IPA. They make mostly IPAs, um, and it's just kind of solid. This one's kind of kind of light, not super hoppy. Mm. what's uh what's the cocktail you made for yourself mm. the cocktail i made is a banana peel daiquiri that i made mm, with okay. a banana peel syrup that i made myself from a recipe i found online um which has like a little bit of cinnamon and then you basically just like steep a banana peel after it's kind of ripened a little bit in sugar and it will just pull flavor from the banana peel it's actually really uh, cool i would really like to try that banana peel syrup you should and i used the Which, last of the uh was the fire and ice or whatever Jamaican rum fire rum fire that's it the rum fire that you gave me i used the last of that and then i split based it with your uh the professor rum that you gave me too yeah those are two really interesting yeah. good rums like it, rum they fire work really solid together too yeah rum fire is a jamaican rum that is pot stilled and that's my favorite type of rum is mm-hmm. jamaican still uh, jamaican pot stilled rum and it's uh, it's not aged. It's clear. It's sixty three percent alcohol by volume, 
and super fucking tasty. It's super funky, and I yeah, actually really like that one a lot. It's a direct competitor to the rum uh, Ray and Nephews, which mm-hmm. is a Jamaican rum that's not aged and is 63%. Uh, and it's actually, Ray and Nephews is the most popular rum in Jamaica, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, and Rumfire is like a dollar or two more. And uh, boy, their label, though, uh, looks like uh, a high schooler <laughs> made it in Photoshop. It, but... it looks like uh, the label that like an Everclear competitor should have. Like, yes. <laughs> like a shittier Everclear would have. Um, it's it's interesting. Anyone that wants but, to look it up, you should, because it's, it's intense. But it's it, like, I, I looked at your bottle, like I saw the bottle and it took me a while to like mess with it um, because the bottle was throwing me off. And I finally tried it and I actually really like it a lot. Yeah, it's especially super for daiquiris. Good. It's really, really good in daiquiri. It's fantastic. Uh, uh, that's yeah. interesting because I actually have a daiquiri here myself. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's uh, fresh lime juice, which, holy shit, fresh juice makes such a big difference. Yep. Like, I Huge. knew that, but right now in this part of my life in this year, like, I'm realizing it because I've gone so many months mm-hmm. uh, without having fresh juice and making myself cocktails, like, at home, and I finally just started, like, eh, I'm just going to do use fresh juice if I'm going to make a cocktail. Yeah. And, man, I forgot how much of a difference it made. It's just so and much it's nicer. It tastes much uh, crisper, and yeah, it's just way nicer. Oh, but for the sweetener in this, I actually used uh, Orja. Oh, nice. Uh, Fee Brothers Orja, which is a nut syrup. Yeah. I've been really and wanting then, to try making that at some point. Yeah. I think you've oh. talked about it a little bit. I haven't had guess what kind of, uh, Guess what kind of rum I'm using. What kind of rum are you using? Uh, Jamaican pot stilled rum. <laughs> nice. It's it's by Plantation. It's their uh, Jamaican. Yeah. And it's just 100% one. Jamaican pot stilled. It's... Probably it's it, one of my like top five rums. For oh, Plantation sure. makes super good rum. Like I, I have yeah. yet to have anything by them that I've disliked. Like all of it's been super solid. My favorite rum is Smith and Cross, mm-hmm. which is a Jamaican rum, but it's navy strength, so it's fifty seven percent by volume, mm-hmm. and fuck, it is so good. And I don't know if there's anywhere we can get it around here right now. Don't know. Our selection here is not super great. I was going to ask you if you knew anywhere I could find the uh, the rum fire because I would like to get another bottle of it, but I super doubt it. I have no idea where you could find rum fire in Indiana. Oh, yeah. By, uh, for everyone keeping track, I'm now in Indiana again. Oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. a big change. We've not actually recorded in a little bit, uh, which you probably shouldn't notice for any of the episode releases because of the way I've been doing it. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. Adam, you're now in Indiana and no longer in Hawaii, where you were for how long? Like uh, two months? Like, and yeah, two months. And we did like one recording when I was there, and mm. holy shit, uh, that was a nightmare. And uh, I'm sorry, never gonna do that again. But yeah, now I'm now I'm uh, back in Indiana, living in my sister's basement because my plans work out. Hey, there you go, man. <laughs> Well, at least you got something to fall back on. I don't, I don't have a sister's basement to sleep in, so you know that's. This good. is true. I'm very, very grateful for this. It's it's a pretty nice basement. Yeah, like it's uh, it's oh, a good basement. So that's that's better than most. The other thing I have to drink is uh, my homemade limoncello uh, that yeah, I got yeah. back from you. Nice. And uh, boy, uh, so my limoncello is definitely like a liqueur, and it's mm-hmm. like twenty seven point five percent. Yeah. And the limoncello, and we made our limoncellos, you made a limoncello as well, mm-hmm. and you gave me a little sample in a mason jar. And uh, our techniques are super different, mm-hmm. and the end products are so different that I don't think I can compare them as if they were the same category, Interesting. which I actually really like. Cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, you said you like yeah. mine. Um, I mean, mine's still super high proofing because I 
did a really back assword kind of thing and I, I didn't have a container that I, I wanted to put it all in one container basically. And I made so much at a time that in order to get it to fit, I uh, had to leave it at like, what was it? Like 55%, 57%. On your jar, it says like 46 point something. And there's, oh yeah, that's, it's like 90 plus proof. There's no way that stuff is 46% ABV because it's so smooth. It is. No, I promise you it is 40. It is exactly what's written on there. I did the math on it and everything. It's exactly that. Damn. <laughs> yep. That's really good. I bet. So, so what did you do for yours? I think, did you use like a sous vide or something or what? Yeah, mine is like super simple if you have a sous vide. If you have a sous vide, which I don't. Uh, you just, so. yeah. You take a bottle of vodka or whatever sort of uh, device you want to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to use uh, rum next time. Rum would be uh, cool, especially if you get a high proof one. That would work really well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you take uh, take a bottle of that, and you take uh, six big ass good lem- lemons, mm-hmm. and you uh, zest them on like a really nice little thin grater. Yeah. You zest all six of them, and you take uh, almost all of that zest, and you put it in a Ziploc bag, and you fill that entire Ziploc bag up with your bottle of vodka, and you throw it in a, a, a sous vide full of water. Oh, uh, a sous vide is a kitchen device where you s- it's like a big black stick. And you stick it in water, and you set a temperature, and it makes that bucket of water exactly that temperature, and it just holds it there for as ever long you want it. So you put your sous vide in a big pot of water, and you make your water um, 135, between 135 and 140 degrees. Mm-hmm. And you put your bag of vodka and lemon zest in there, and you just let it be that, be that hot for about four hours. And then you take those lemons that you just zested and you juice all of them mm-hmm. and you filter out the juice and then you take that juice and you combine it equal weight with sugar. Mm-hmm. So you're making literally a one-to-one simple, but instead of water, lemon juice. Yeah. And then you sprinkle uh, a little bit of uh, the lemon zest that's left over into that. And uh, you don't heat it up or anything because if you do that now, it would... It would destroy lemon juice Mm -hmm. you just like incorporate it with like a big spoon stirring it really fast you just roughly incorporate it and you throw that bag in the sous vide for the same like four hours and it just turns that into a really nice lemon cordial interesting yeah and so then you have you have this lemony vodka and you have this really lemony cordial and you combine them in ratios that you find uh nice Uh, i went with a 70 percent vodka 30 percent cordial mixture Mm -hmm. And that gets you a like a twenty seven point five percent ABV, mixture. which is pretty typical for most like uh, liqueurs like that. Usually they're pretty around like like the twenty to thirty range. Yeah, and uh, yeah. man, it's it's I I really like mine. Uh, I don't think it makes a very good component. Like it's really good that. for it's really good for sipping on its own. I would it's, kind of agree with mine. Because I've tried mixing it in with stuff, and it's it's kind of like how uh, maraschino acts, where it's like no matter how much you put in, it's really present. So I tried mixing oh, yeah. it in with like a whiskey sour or something, just kind of like using it as an ingredient, um, and it just didn't really, I don't know, it didn't really work super well. Um, I think I want to try using mine like to make daisies, and uh, that would be good. Yeah, da- a daisy is uh, for the audience uh, the generic term for anything that has a margarita style build. So like yeah. cosmos are daisies, mm-hmm. and sidecars are daisies. 
And so, um, yeah, instead of just sub out whatever liqueur, like instead of triple sec, use limoncello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. But yeah, so for um, mine, it's not nearly as fancy as yours. All I did was took a, I had a 750 uh, mason jar that used to be um, a bottle of um, one of the moonshine distilleries I went to. Oh, 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 wait, um, like a good one, not, not like, like a like a fancy craft moonshine. Yeah, it's um, fuck, I wish I could remember what the name of the distillery was because I actually like their stuff a lot. Um, they make a bunch of flavored stuff. They're in Gatlingburg. Old Smoky? Um, no, it's not Old Smoky. It's the other one. There's another one that's right, right there. Because Old Smoky is a bit more, um, a bit more well known. Yeah, but I actually think their distillery tour was kind of garbage. Uh, no offense to anyone who works or is part of Old Smoky, but. You should work on your distillery door because it's not that good. Um, they basically <laughs> it's <a> constructive criticism. <laughs> so Gatlingburg is like a party city, basically, or party town, more or less. It's like a, it's like a. I mean, have you been before? No, but I've yeah. living in Southern Indiana for most of my childhood. Like Gatlinburg is like the. Yeah, is, yeah, it's it's like the. It's not like Nashville where it's like only bars. It's kind of like a like vacation destination place. Like there's it's like there's a little town. There's a bunch of cabins throughout the woods that people rent out and like stay in for a couple weeks it's like where it's like if somebody's going to go to wine country for the mm. weekend yeah in southern indiana they're going to go to gatlingburg for the weekend yeah but so and like stay in a cabin part of it is like so if you go into like gatlingburg itself there's like a little strip and there's like a bunch of moonshine distilleries and bars and like there's ripley's believe it or not museum and restaurants and all kinds of shit um and then there's of like course a, there's a ripley's believe it or not museum yeah and it's like nestled between like two peaks of the mountains that are really like two of the taller ones um in in tennessee um yeah. so one of them has like a like a, a cabin resort and the other one has like a uh like ski resort basically Ah, uh, okay that um, makes sense but uh so we were there going to we went to a couple of different um distill like moonshine distilleries but the one i man i wish my name of it it's gonna bug me they make really good stuff um i got a green apple rye from them so they make like really sweet um liqueurs based out of moonshine and hmm. most of them are like that but then they also have a couple that are really really good uh, and i really enjoyed a lot and the one i bought was um maybe it wasn't green apple it was red apple rye red apple rye but it was like a rye moonshine that was like also they also use apples in the production of it it was like lightly flavored a little sweet but it was at like 100 uh like uh 50 50 percent alcohol Oh, okay. So, like, yeah, bottled and bond proof. Like, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but so I have one of those little bottles, long story short, um, that I had emptied out long ago. And I used that. I just basically filled it full of, uh, um, I think it was like a couple, it was like one orange and then just as many lemons as it took, like fully peeled, put in that jar. And then I just filled it all the way up with Everclear, like all the way to the brim. And then I put the cap on and let it sit for about two months damn okay and then just didn't touch it like like every once in a while like agitated it like you know every couple days or so like if i just i left it on my shelf out and about and like if i saw it when i was like doing dishes or something i would grab it shake it up turn it upside down put it back and just did that for a while and then eventually i straightened all that out and um just made a simple syrup and lowered the abv using that until it was at a 750 like mill so it would fit in a fifth and that's basically all i did oh okay oh yeah easy yes yeah i mean it took time but i mean i wasn't 
like stressing out about having it like any minute. So, you know, I just kind of let it sit. And that's usually how I do mine. Um, is I did a raspberry liqueur as well, basically the same method on a smaller scale. And I just took some raspberries and kind of mushed them up a little bit, put them in a little mason jar with, you know, full up with Everclear and let them sit for like a month. Hmm. And then... I, yeah, you gave me some of that. I have not tried that. You though. should. It's very good. That one's closer to... That one's at 40% because I purposely lowered that one to an exact percentage. Um, oh, okay. And I didn't have as much of the liquid on that, so it was a lot easier to do because the other one I basically had like probably like 500 mils or a little under that uh no it wasn't 500 it was did you only use simple syrup to lower the abv or did you also cut it with other things like water um i think the the limoncello i did simple syrup and a little bit of water but mostly simple syrup Mm. i think it was so i didn't want to sweeten it too much so i think i did it was like it's probably like three-fourths to one one fourth simple syrup to water oh okay yeah so like 75 percent like Okay. With the raspberry liqueur, I did not add any water. I did a raspberry syrup that I made and simple syrup. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that one turned out a lot sweeter, um, but it is a lot lower ABV in general. But it was really good. I liked it. Well, okay. We've been uh, talking for like uh, 20 minutes, so maybe we should Mm -hmm. get to the topic of uh, today's podcast. Yeah, that's probably uh, a good idea. Which, uh, Logan... Uh, you you brought this uh, this piece of media. I did. This is one I picked. Um, we are doing Princess Mononoke, which is uh, one of my. Uh, it's probably my favorite Studio Ghibli. Um, I know I've been like slowly introducing Adam to a few, um, mm-hmm. but this is this is definitely my favorite. Um, it's also the first one I ever watched, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, and then for anyone that makes sense, yeah, no Studio Ghibli, I haven't seen. Um, what is it? I haven't seen Nasca the Valley of the Wind, and I haven't seen um, what's the other one? I haven't even heard of that. But Castle in the said. Sky. I think it's Castle in the Sky. Castle in the Sky is the sequel to Howl's Moving Castle, and mm-hmm. I think Cat. Uh, oh wait, I don't think wait, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, Castle in the Sky. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Howl's Moving Castle is. Uh, I mean, Castle in the Sky is the sequel to Howl's Moving Castle. No? No. Oh, they're, oh, they're, oh, okay. they're both made by Studio Ghibli. Uh, Castle in the Sky came out, like, in the 90s. Oh, okay. Because yeah, Studio Ghibli's been making stuff since, like, the late 80s. Okay. Well, so. yeah, I know nothing about it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but, yeah, so the, those are, like, two of the bigger ones that I know people like that I haven't seen. I also haven't seen Grave of the Fireflies because I have never been in a moment in my life where I've wanted to cry. Um, I have, I've never heard much. of that Fireflies uh, thing. The... I don't know all the details. I know the premise is that it takes place during the World War II in Japan, and I'll leave it at that. Um, that that can only be a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've heard it's very good. Um, that one isn't a um, that one's not a Miyazaki film though. It's just a Studio Ghibli film, so that's kind of a, a little bit different. Oh, okay. Um, because there, like, there's other creators in Studio Ghibli, and he doesn't do all of their stuff. He just does like he's the most well known, and he does like one every other year or so and yeah um, the, the big ones yeah no. pretty much pretty much um but anyways uh, princess monoke was my first studio ghibli film it's also like one of the first uh feature-length anime films i ever ever saw as a kid um i think i mentioned it when we were talking about akira as well but like when i was like i don't know like seven to eight maybe like nine uh, mm-hmm. i was still in grade school basically um i we got like access to the anime channel on 
whatever cable we had at my mom's. And uh, I watched a lot of stuff on there. And this was one of the first, like, full films that I watched. And it, like, it had a pretty big impact on me. Um, I think this, I might have been a little too young for this when it first came out. But yeah, it's still Studio kind of Ghibli, really so it's like, like, it was definitely more intense for me when I was a kid. Um, but, like, definitely, I don't think it's, it's not the worst thing I could have been watching, for sure. I think, so. uh, I think Japanese people as a culture have a little bit more, um, higher regard for their kids and what they can what they can ha- take and handle mm-hmm. they hold their hands a little less in their stuff in general yeah in general um but yeah so that's kind of my history with this one um and adam you've never seen it never seen it i've heard of uh this one yeah if there is one that like i knew for sure you probably had heard of it was this one um yeah like this one or like kiki's delivery service or like my neighbor Totoro. yeah I've, yeah my neighbor totoro everyone always talks about that mm-hmm. and like um house moving castle i'd heard that several times and uh spirited away everyone always talks about spirited away and uh all they ever all i know about spirited away is uh there's there's a big ass luck dragon in it there sure is (laughs) and i'm sure we'll watch that one at some point if you haven't seen it because i think that one's definitely worth watching um it's not my favorite um i understand why a lot of people do like it because i think it's like a really it's kind of like, um, so we've watched uh, like Kiki's Delivery Service and uh, Howl's Moon Castle and now Princess Mononoke. Yeah. Princess Mononoke is more of like your traditional like action adventure um, anime. Like definitely, I think it's it's called Shonen. Is that right? I think that's right. Shonen is battle anime. Yeah, Shonen basically. Is, is Dragon Ball Z. This, this is the closest that Miyazaki gets to that, which is a more traditional like, mm, okay. you know, like, um, yeah, I could I could yeah. see this like you could like talk about this and like Gundam Wing from yeah. the 90s in like the same breath. Exactly. Whereas like I'll, there's a lot of other Miyazaki stuff that's more like slice of life or like fantasy adventure or like um what's the like uh, almost like fairy tale esque like like the Hobbit. Yes, like more like the yeah, Hobbit yeah. than like the Lord of the Rings. Whereas this yeah. is definitely more like Lord of the Ringsy. Uh, definitely going on an adventure to uh, fight a dragon but it's definitely like lighthearted. yeah so this is more on that side of it than but i think so like we we watch kiki's delivery service is just slice of life and happens to have some supernatural elements to it basically and then like howl's moving castle is kind of somewhere in between and this one is just more of an action adventure kind of deal man I i i wish i could watch a whole like season of anime that was Kiki's delivery service because mm. uh, I feel like that would just work so much better in like an episodic format. But this, uh, like Princess Mononoke, like this is a, a an epic. This is a movie. Yeah. This is a story that you sit through all in one go. It, yeah. This is like the Lord of the Rings. This is one of the ones I feel like. So I get it a little bit with like Kiki's delivery service. Like you said, I think that would work better as a series. And I think Houseman Castle leaves a little bit to be desired with like how much you get of the world. Whereas like I think Princess Mononoke is like. I am learning exactly as much as I need to know and exactly as much as I want to know about pretty much everything. Um, but yeah, so how, how did you what, what did you, what did you think in general? What's your like broad, broad strokes? What'd you think? Uh, so broad strokes, um, uh, it's a mixed bag. Okay. Uh, I definitely feel like this movie on a whole was a, was kind of a bummer. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but like you know, 
cool action bits. Um, I think it has that. Uh, I only watched the dub again because I like am dyslexic, so subs really don't work for me. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I had a little bit of that Akira, like kind of getting lost and like this is very this movie even I think even more so than Akira is very much like yo if you don't know like Japanese like folk history or at least mm-hmm. have had that culturally in your in your oeuvre then like this is there's a lot of things taken for granted that uh like i just i I had to like catch up on and like get through context that's pretty fair i think this one for sure doesn't really hold your hand with a lot of stuff i think this still the way that it does it in princess money okay i think works a lot better than akira um Mm -hmm. personally but i'm this is awesome i've been watching since i was like eight so i am probably a bit the wrong kind of person to ask um but so do you think in general do you think you followed this better than you followed akira even with those things oh oh yeah yeah i definitely follow this better like the plot is um like the overarching plot you you, you can probably sum up pretty easily like it's pretty basic like yeah like uh yo no it's literally one of the basic plot lines it's it's man versus nature yes that's it well it's also (laughs) it's kind of like hero's journey as well because it's yeah you've got your your main character who has set off on an adventure to do a thing and that's oh wait you're right this is exactly heroes uh like 12 step heroes adventure and the premise is man versus nature yep and that's just that's just it that's like if you if you wanted to go all right i'm gonna write uh, a 12 step hero adventure uh and i'm gonna use man versus nature Mm -hmm. you really couldn't hit any better than like the plot points of this this movie no i guarantee you you could take you could take the exact plot beats of this movie and map it out to that i bet you could like side by side this with any like 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 the odyssey you pop these right next to each other, and I bet you can just pick out exact moments that fit almost. Oh yeah, exactly. yeah. Like there's there's a whole like uh, there's like a call to action. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, even at the end he uh, he traverses the innermost cave and then returns with the elixir when he goes back to Iron Town and he's like, I'm gonna go back to Iron Town and help mm-hmm. them rebuild because yeah yeah. Uh, Okay, so I do have I do have notes about this. Yeah, I do too. Um, go ahead and do yours, I, and I'll, I'll pop in mine later. Very first point. thing I wrote down was, "Oh fuck yeah, that's James Earl Jones." And then the next thing I wrote down is, <laughs> "Keith David sounds exactly like James Earl Jones." <laughs> they do have like very similar. That was my I think one of my first notes. Let me double check that really quick. I think my first uh, note yeah. is I did okay. So for the record, I watched both the dub and the sub, um, just for like experimentation's sake. Um, my very first note is Keith oh, sorry, David. Sorry, there's a motorcycle that just went by my house. So. That's fair. I didn't hear it at all. To be fair. Oh, okay. No, but so my very first note was Keith David, like right off the bat, because I love Keith David. He's been in, in a bunch of movies mm-hmm. and shows that I like, and his voice is so distinct. For anyone who doesn't know who that is, he's the guy who does the um, the Marine commercials or the um, Army commercials, whatever. He voices the Arbiter from Halo. He also voices the Arbiter from Halo. He was in The Thing. Along, he was the guy at the end alongside... Um, fuck. Yeah. Uh, who's, who's the main guy from The Thing? Oh, um... Uh, 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 Snake Plissken. Yeah. Uh, jeez. Uh, 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 Beans. Uh, big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Uh, no. I, yeah, I know who he is. He's a really good actor. Um, uh, can't remember his name right now. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so he's alongside Kurt Russell. He's a great actor. He's awesome in a season of Community. Uh, he's does some voices for Rick and Morty. He's 
yeah, his voice is very distinctive. So it's like something I noticed immediately. He was like in the forefront of my mind. So, but yeah, no, that for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. The other, the other, the next thing I was I wrote down uh, that I don't remember writing is this could make a neat tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. And I think I wrote that down right at the beginning of uh, the movie because it's right after the like really cool like hard intro of here's our hero. He's gonna fucking fight a demon. That's yeah. a pretty cool intro. No, the intro is really good. That was like uh, my second note was yeah that it just jumps right in. Like it doesn't. It sets you up with your hero. He fights a thing. He like literally. I think I timed it out. Like the first fifteen minutes of this film do hella work just to like we're just beat by beat. We're getting at it. We're just yeah, we're, we're jumping going. in. We're going. There's no like establishing dialogue. They have like a couple lines after he kills the demon, but like really, it's yeah. like just and bam, which is bam, interesting. Bam. Interesting because like one of the uh, the first part of the hero's journey is actually. Uh, the hero in in the normal world Mm -hmm. and so you usually spend like you know a chunk of the beginning of your movie showing luke being a whiny bitch about power converters (laughs) and uh but this is like nah this dude has a bow and a goat and he's gonna fuck up this worm monster (laughs) and i'm like fuck yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super cool and uh it's very very yeah and I, i think i said this can make a really cool neat rpg is because uh, just right off the bat, like after he fucks up the worm monster, he like s- starts talking to like the elders of his like uh, of his uh, ethnic group, mm-hmm. and they're throwing out all of these like cool fucking. You got to go to a fucking. You got to go on a quest, and they're throwing out all this cool like tiny bits of shit. Yeah. And his the, old, the old lady is rolling bones and shit. The old lady's rolling bones. Like there's lots of like cool little like set dressing bits mm-hmm. that like could really work into an RPG. And then when he leaves. Uh, his sister hands him like uh, a fancy dagger, like a fancy like glass shard dagger, and I'm like, dude, that's totally a Chekhov's gun. That's gonna come into play at some point where he's gonna like stab some sort of supernatural beast, and it's either gonna be the dagger or the power of love from his sister that does anything. And holy shit, no, it doesn't. Why the fuck did they have her handing that dagger? It doesn't come into play at all. <laughs> okay, so I'll say two things. Um, one is about since I watched the dub and the sub, I know a thing about that whole interaction. I thought was really weird. Um, and then two is it kind of is a Chekhov's gun because it's like one of the things that he does to kind of ingratiate himself with, uh, the eponymous princess Mononoke, the, his lady love from later in the movie. Um, he gives yeah. it to her as a gift. Like that's like a thing and it is like a, okay, then, then make them. it like a, like a cookery shell. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't make Chekhov's gun a gun unless <laughs> it's going to be used to shoot somebody. I will agree. It's like a little weird thing. The, so the other really weird thing I noticed about this, and I always kind of, like when I was watching the dub, I was like wondering, because I hadn't watched the sub yet. I was like watching, and I'm like, huh. The dialogue between uh, the sister and the main character, are a little it's like a little stilted. It kind of seems like throwaway. It's really weird like that they don't have like a scene that like establishes them as like brother and sister, or like you never meet their parents or anything. Um, yeah. And the reason for that is in the sub, in the original Japanese, it's not his sister. It's his child bride. Oh no! Yeah, they're like <laughs> no, no. Well, they're not like married yet. They're like engaged to be, basically. Like oh, no. it's like oh, a, no. And like the, it's it's a kind of a throwaway line in the in the sub too. Like they only barely talk about it. Like she gets like like one line, like one or two lines, and it's like right at that moment when he gives her the thing. Um, but like somebody else mentions it, like says something about her being his like betrothed or something, 
Like it's like when they're talking, uh, someone's talking about him to her and mentions him as her betrothed. So like they're not like doing it, but he's definitely like a solid like four or five years older than her. Yeah, and they do reference him as a prince. So like an arranged marriage, I guess. But like, yeah, boy, they fucking paper over that with drywall in the english version <laughs> well i noticed and so like i so i watched the sub and then i rewatched the the dub again to like kind of really get the differences and when i was watching that i i could pick out every single line that the english dub threw in to make sure you knew she was his sister and he they were not getting married because that's <laughs> <laughs> and honestly that's... um even knowing that i think the english dub like you know what good for you that was a really good dub over like a really good of uh you threw in a couple of lines. You didn't have to throw in too much. You just needed to give me a little bit. And I totally believe mm-hmm. it. Um, and one of the things the dub does significantly better. Uh, the other thing is the dub or the, the sub doesn't have a voiceover for the thing Keith David says at the very beginning at all. Oh, it doesn't have a narrator? No, no narrator. Oh, it's uh, okay. There's just, it, it is your, your Star Wars. There's just words on a... Oh, there, oh there's a Star Wars crawl. Yeah, okay. Kind of, sort of. It's like, it's literally uh, like man. one paragraph. I bet they totally like had that like an English crawl, and then they and then at some point in the production, someone goes, "Oh fuck, shit! We have Keith David. Let's just make him read this." Yeah, like we have Keith David. He does a great job, and he doesn't narrate anything else yeah. in the entire fucking movie. No. So they definitely were just like, "Hey, we got Keith David for a day. <laughs> let's let's have him use his awesome voice to say this thing instead of putting words yeah. on the screen." And then someone was like, well, he also is voicing that, like, one, like, pig god character. Should we get him to, like, change his voice up at all? And someone's like, no. Tell him to have the Keith David voice. Yeah, do the Keith David voice. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think those are my two big ones from the very beginning. Um, them changing it so it's not his fucking betrothed makes it way less weird. Especially because then, like, yeah. he gets the dagger from the girl he was supposed to marry. And, like, I know he's getting, like, exiled. But he takes that dagger and then he gives it to the first hot chick he sees, which seems <laughs> seems kind of shitty. Oh, I don't understand. Yeah. Like he was like, "Yeah, I'll remember you always." And it's like, "Oh, hey, what's up, babe? Like, here's a cool dagger." Like you know, I like, like the fact, like in the in the story, like the ancient wise folks say, like, "Hey, you're cursed. Um, you can either like fucking we can either like fucking off you right now, old yellow you." Or you can, like, just leave the village forever and wander off on a quest just to, like, look at shit. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll be banished from the village forever. Uh, but then at the end, he gets cured of the curse. So I'm like, oh, he could totally go back to his people and be like, sup, I'm cured. It was dope. Uh, mm-hmm. But he is like, mm, I'm going to stay no. here with the cool wolf chick in Iron I'm gonna Town. stay here and, and bang this cool wolf chick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so um let's do you have any other notes about like that very beginning bit like before he leaves the village oh no not not no okay, i think that's that. i think that's pretty much all man that. i totally oh i'm so glad you you watched both because now no, you know that um that one makes okay me so uh, the next thing i i wanted to say is just like i'm getting to my notes on the overarching like the whole movie is uh in this universe people's arms come off really easily <laughs> they do they do like, okay that's so a, like it as a also spirit magic exists but also arms are like <laughs> barely just attached real to people. barely attached to humans oh i wanted to ask you yeah in the japanese version uh is there just like a bunch of like kurosaka-esque blood spray when people get like no. chopped up no 
Okay. No. Here's another thing about the arms then is that they just like they just like split off as if you're like pulling off a piece of Lego. Yeah. They just detach like there's like there's like cartilage and bones and stuff and they're just like cleanly Yeah. Always like, cleanly cut. Off. I, so that's like one of the things that's like it's graphic, but it's not blood graphic. I'm assuming that's so they could keep a PG thirteen rating. Yeah, uh, more or less, because even the and Japanese I, I, they didn't they didn't cut anything out. It's all and, that's and all I get when the main character who has super demon powers shoots someone with an arrow and they like explode into pieces. Yeah, that makes sense. He has a ma- mm-hmm. he shoots magic arrows at people, uh, but there are just like a few other scenes where there's like uh, big mass battles and like right at the beginning. Uh, he runs past a village that's getting raided mm-hmm. and he sees a guy like stop and pull out a samurai sword and hold it up in an attempt to like defend himself mm-hmm. and uh dude's arm just gets cut off by a guy uh gingerly rubbing a spear against it yeah <laughs> and then there's another one where they're doing the uh, human mass battle against uh keith david's pig army and somebody has a grenade and the grenade goes off in his hand and instead of like having a big explosion and throwing the guy away his arm just like it just makes his arm pop off that's mm-hmm. the effect of the grenade is that this is an anti-arm grenade one of my favorite ones <laughs> is uh, i forget where it is exactly i think it's in the the very first battle that um, the main character ashitaka is in and there's a guy with his his sword raised above his head with both arms and then Aki- ashitaka shoots both arms off with one arrow and the dude like <laughs> like looks up at both of his stumps and is like what <laughs> and it's like one of my favorite fucking moments i like uh, i like to think that that guy is like somewhat nonplussed about both of his arms popping off because he's like ah oh, beans ah oh, this happened to me now too because it's such a normal thing in this universe <laughs> no i like that one and then uh there's a couple of moments when ashtaka just straight up beheads dudes like they're just like riding by on their horses and he just shoots them with an arrow and just like their head is like just gone. What did you think about uh, the main character in general? Hmm. Okay. I, I, uh, about this, but I wanted to get your thoughts he, on it. He doesn't have uh, an abundance of personality mm. in the English version. It's um, not any better in the Japanese. I'll promise you that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he is definitely then, I would say he is very much a, uh, a Bella from... Uh, vampire romance books I can kinda, type of character kind of see that where you're uh, Twilight yeah he's definitely a Bella from mm-hmm. Twilight kind of character where he's uh, he doesn't really I guess I guess they kind of just uh, put a lamp on that at the beginning where the old lady is like oh, he's like what should I do and the old lady is like uh, go observe with uh, eyes unclouded by hate mm-hmm. and so he's just sort of an unjudgy he has he makes no judgment call about against anyone at any time yeah and uh, he is just our point of view character uh because he's in the places that we need to have a point of view yeah i will kind of say that i think a little bit i i actually really appreciate them doing that with this character because so like comparing it to especially like uh teen rom like teen novels i think mm-hmm. it seems pretty normal but thinking about it in the context of um other shonen anime where the main character tends to be very like brash or like very like flamboyant and upfront and like has like some kind of weird quirk or you know something your, yeah like you're naruto yeah or you're or your, your fucking even or, like your goku your, from dbz your go yeah goku who's like very big and very open and extroverted yeah. uh, and this guy's just like hello hi 
Uh, I do have superpowers, but, you know, we're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> I can cut your head off right now, but instead I'd like to talk about it instead and be peaceful. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, uh, I like it because of the what the plot is around him, is him trying to get rid of a curse that makes him a goddamn murderer, more or less. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even actually think he's, like, the whole point of him isn't he's getting rid of the curse. It's just he wants to go uh, check out shit before the curse kills him um like like he's never uh he's never expecting that the end of this adventure ends with him being saved the hope is that it will if he goes after the um the the gods that basically cursed him the the idea is that um they know that the god cursed him they know where the god vaguely came from so he's trying to track it down to see if he can find a way to cure it, whether or not he can or not. That's the whole point is that, like, if he doesn't, he's going to die. So his only okay, real I, hope is to go off on this adventure and then maybe get a cure, but probably just die. I did not get that from the uh, English version mm-hmm. because, like, it never did the old lady say, like, well, the only thing for you to do is to try to go figure out the origin of this and maybe get... Uh, uncursed like she said he's like what am i going to do and she goes well you should take the time you have left and go see why there's like hate and cursiness in the world and you should just you know you should find uh you have terminal curse so you should find peace in going and finding the origin of the curse and maybe uh using the time you have left to make sure other people don't get cursed never I i didn't really get that it was a uh, go see if you can find some uh, magic potion to uncurse yourself. It's more of a go see if you can find out where this came from mm-hmm. and like turn off the faucet and then die knowing that you uh, kept other people from your fate. Yeah, it's a little bit of both for sure. And it's like, even the way it's phrased, it's not really like that it's a guarantee that he's going to be able to find something. It's just like, hey, this is like your best bet. Yeah, it is. It's like, hey, this is a hopeless mission, but fucking do it anyway. So uh, one thing I'm going to say about, like, my biggest thing from the sub that really, really bothered me. Um, So in in the dub, in English, they say uh, the spirit of the forest. That is the the big MacGuffin god or whatever um, that they're they're going after. uh, Yeah. the direct Japanese translation for what they call it in Japanese, which I'm sure it sounds way cooler in Japanese, but the direct English translation is Dear God. And they say that a lot in the <laughs> oh, sub. Dear God. A lot. <laughs> so many times. And the first time they saw it, they said it, I just laughed out loud. And every time they said it from then, I'm just like, I just can't do it. I just can't. Like, they're, they're looking at this big thing that's, like, walking through the countryside, just, like, killing. It's a god of life and death, and its name is just Dear God. And I'm like, just, it, you just kind of ruined laughing, it for me. Were you laughing because it's kind of a dumb name, or are you laughing because it kind of sounds like they're going, Dear God? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> well, both. they don't say it out loud. Like, that's when, like, the Japanese word for it literally translates into Dear God. So, like, yeah, I'm sure it sounds cooler in Japanese. Um, but in English, Dear God sounds stupid. Oh, the the first time I saw the uh, deer god's silhouette in the forest, yeah. uh, I I fucking play the sh- a shit ton of Pokemon. And I love Pokemon, and so there is the the uh, the god of Pokemon is that is a is a deer with a bunch of fucked up antlers like that. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I saw that thing silhouette, I just went, 
Oh. Yep. That that's why. That's why. That's one of those things. Uh, that does bring me like since you brought up the uh, the deer god, which I will only ever refer to it as that from now on. That's totally fair. <laughs> uh, it brought up a point that I wrote down is that um, the forest spirit, the deer god, uh, looks fucking stupid. He looks pretty goofy. He does. Look he pretty looks goofy. super goofy, and I'm not entirely sure he doesn't deserve to die. <laughs> Just because he looks goofy, that seems kind of yeah. Rude. It's like it's seems like kind of rude. Like that. That is a. A shitty, stupid face. <laughs> so, it's pretty. It's like, so I kind of, I go back. Like he looks kind of goofy, but I also kind of like because he's like unsettling. Like he's like, he's like unknowable in a kind of way that like a like some kind of deity should be. So like you have like the yeah. wolf god and like the boar gods, and they just seem like oh well, this makes sense. They have like some like human characteristics. With the spirit of the forest, the deer god, you never get any of that. Like. You have no idea what's going on behind those eyes. Like, it looks it looks like somebody photoshopped <laughs> Steve Buscemi's face onto a moose. <laughs> Someone needs to do that. Someone needs to do that. Just photoshop Steve Buscemi's face onto every instance of this movie. Oh my god, oh, that would please. be so good. Be so I good. want Steve I want oh. I want a re-edit where it that's the only difference. Oh. Is is the deer god's face is just Steve Buscemi's face, and if I know the deer god doesn't have any lines, but if we can hire Steve Buscemi and just give him a credit as the deer god, yes, please, yes, please. Okay, so um, <laughs> do you have any other general points you want to make, or you want to go beat by beat? Uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a serious one, Good and point. it was um, when I was watching this. Uh, it was also right around the time when. Uh, I was uh, I was rereading or looking I was I was re I was watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos about Lord of the Rings and uh, uh, the one I got a lot of uh, like Lord of the Rings vibes mm-hmm. from the basic plot of this movie specifically the scouring of the Shire yeah and uh, Iboshi I think that's her name yeah is straight up uh, Saruman. Because she's like, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do industry, and I'm going to tear down oh, the yeah. forest. I'm going to tear down, you know, the forest of Eisen, and do a bunch of industry on it. Mm-hmm. And just like in Lord of the Rings, like the forest manifests in order to come fuck them up. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I yeah. think Aboshi. So one of the one of the bigger points, um, one of the bigger things I like about this movie, is it does that Miyazaki thing where. There's not really like a hard villain. Like, there's no mm-hmm. human villain character. Like, there's humans that do shitty things, um, but almost all of them have some kind of redeeming feature of some kind. Like, yeah, like the only, like, the closest thing to a bad guy mm-hmm. is that monk dude with the big dumb nose. Yeah. Because uh, uh, he just seems like a, an amoral dickhead. Yeah, he's pretty much just self-interested. Like, and that's yeah. like that's the thing though. Is like, but he's not like evil. He's just like trying to get his. You know, like yeah, he's just like a an asshole. Yeah, yeah. There's no one that's like the Sauron or like I mean, even like Sauron, yeah. like Lady Aboshi, like yeah, she's doing shitty things, um, but she is doing it because she cares about the people of Iron Town and like, yeah, like and trying to like, be the best for them. Yeah, and she's like, let's make, let's like, I'm going to do right by all these prostitutes and like lower class yeah. women. And I'm going to do right by all these like at literal, at actual literal lepers. Yeah. You know, it's like she's like literally taking care of lepers, which at that, 
like in the time period this is supposed to take place in nobody would fucking do that like yeah. you're a leper you die on the streets because we don't want to touch you so yeah so like i i appreciate that push about lady aboshi i think um the other guy's name what is the other guy's name it's like jogu or uh jigo jigo that's it jigo um his name is slightly different in japanese i don't there's a reason they change it it's too close to something else or something yeah um, it's it's like jigobu yeah it's it's longer and it makes sense why they would change it for the english um how did you feel about uh jigo's voice actor this is one of those things that <laughs> boy it was like uh, not he's not good i don't think i if i was the director i would uh i would say i would have notes mm-hmm. uh it reminded me a lot of the guy who voice acted the little fire demon in how's moving castle yeah where it's just like well wow, you're really bringing a uh, a very low energy vibe to this role and it's an interest it's an it's interesting choice mm-hmm. uh and i think it worked out in how's moving castle yeah uh but it really does not work out in this i don't think so I 100% agreed with you right up until I watched the Japanese. Um, and in the Japanese, it's it's a it's partially dialogue, but it's also delivery. Um, in the Japanese, he's kind of just an old monk guy. Like, he doesn't really have a very distinguished uh, speaking pattern or, like, anything. Like, it, he's more of, like, a spy in the original Japanese, but he feels mm-hmm. less like a character. That makes any sense. At least in the English dub, like, even though, like, um, what's the actor's name? Um, shit. He was, oh, like, an I... Armageddon. Um, God damn it. Yeah, I... He's a really good actor, really actually, is. but it definitely, like, it was just him doing, like, himself, more or less. But there's a couple of the... Yeah. The more quiet moments that he has and the more goofy moments he has that I feel like actually oh billy billy bob thornton billy bob thornton yeah there's there's a few moments here and there sprinkled in that like i think makes the character better in english than it does in the japanese and partially it's dialogue and partially it's his delivery but mostly it's it's like it's not great but like based on what he was working with from the japanese and what they were working with it's like this is better than what was presented there i think um it's more of a choice it's less of a like i don't know throwaway i guess like he feels like a person Uh, you know what i feel like he should have made a different choice then because it's literally like he will have the same reaction to like hey you have a an interesting elk there i think we're getting chased by some guys we should run away and then there will be like bombs and going off and a god like trying to chase him and he'll be like hey that's an interesting forest god you've got there i think we should run away (laughs) and it's like oh okay that's pretty fair I, it was it was sort of um, uh, suspension of disbelief breaking. Yeah, I think I that's the biggest thing with it. I think yeah. everyone else, all the other English actors, have a really like they know what they're in. And they kind of it know sounded, what they're doing. It's it sounded like he was doing a table read. It's it didn't sound like he was acting. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem with it. Um, I yeah, I think my big thing is I definitely felt that way more before like watching that Japanese dub. That I always thought his character was kind of like off and didn't really sell it for me. And yeah. I don't know. It's not any better than Japanese for me. So like it's I think it's fine. Um, it doesn't tr- detract from the movie for me as much anymore. I feel like now knowing that um, I don't know. I, I it, it just sounded he was just like so monotone. Yeah, that's like, my biggest thing. thing. He needs a bit more. And I, 
Yeah, and if you're trying to go for like calm dude who's like, like, like implacable, mm. there's a a more entertaining and interesting way to do that. I feel. Yeah, I would agree for sure. I mean, he is like one of the the smallest characters in this movie. Like, not plot wise, but like he doesn't have that many scenes really. Like, yeah, I, I feel like he's like definitely up there, but there weren't like too many like full on. He's characters. not. I don't even think he's top five like i think no he well that's what i'm saying is like he's like i mean he's more than like most of the um most of the people of iron town but i think uh i would be willing to say that um the lead uh lady from not not a boshi but the uh lead prostitute lady from yeah, iron town yeah, yeah. probably has more speaking lines than he does probably does oh okay now actually i want to bring up a boshi mm-hmm. see that's a way you can do like a villain type character who's mm-hmm. like who's like uh really calm and like yeah uh, unflappable but like sh- they that voice actress definitely had you know a range yes and man billy bob thornton was really bringing his uh c game <laughs> to this yeah. role i feel he like. definitely wasn't bringing like i mean it's like we talked about this with the uh the houseman castle but i think like billy crystal like although billy crystal was just doing billy crystal it totally worked for what he was trying to do um, yeah like it it threw me off like as soon as i heard it and then after that i'm like okay well no it's just billy crystal as a fire demon like all right this is if billy crystal was a yeah. fire demon that's probably what he'd be like yeah and and like he Which had a sense. range of emotion in his voice yeah uh but man billy buck thornton just like same if he's delivering the line that's like hey that's an interesting bowl you've got there and if he's, he's delivering the line i've got the head of the spirit god it's insane. you should you should change those you should change those a little bit yeah i would agree with that yeah. he definitely needed to go more for something um and he just really didn't um oh okay here's a yeah. question i had is in the japanese version uh towards the end i felt like the end was like it wasn't as uh explicitly wrapped up as i would like because mm-hmm. uh, like main demon character dude is like yo i'm gonna return to iron town help him build and iboshi is like oh bummer got my arm chopped off uh i'm gonna i'm gonna she never even she doesn't even make any sort of like proclamation like i'm going to be better or no one ever like explicitly says uh, i you know you know what I learned a lesson here today. That doesn't happen. <laughs> um, like everyone she, just everyone just goes. Well, let's. I guess let's try that again. Her her line is let's rebuild. We'll do better this time. Basically, is what her general yeah. idea is. Um, yeah. No one yeah. literally says let's do better this time by like better integrating humanity and yeah. the forest. They, they don't goes, really let's talk do better this time. about what it is. No, yeah. and like better this time could just mean more guns. <laughs> It could. It could. Well, part of the other thing is that the idea is that now that the now that the spirit of the forest is dead, probably there won't be any more talking animals or animal gods anymore. Um, yeah. So presumed. like you really can't you really can't do better this time since you uh, fucked up real bad last time. Since you fucked up so bad well, that there's there's not another other side to do better with. Yeah, I will you say so. Like the... part of the whole thing is like the spirit guy kind of like sacrifices themselves to like revitalize the forest um and that's pretty much the end of the movie um in the japanese it's not really any better um Mm. in fact i think there is it's like it's like with the uh the conversation that he has with his sister at the beginning yeah you actually get a little bit more 
um, but it's still not a lot in the English. Um, in Japanese, it's worse. It's like, I think in the Japanese, it doesn't even say that there's a little throwaway line where he's like, I'll come and visit you sometime to Princess Mononoke. I'm not even sure there's that in it. Like, it's like, it's very vague if like him and Princess Mononoke are even going to like see each other again. Yeah. Oh, and I, I realized also that her name isn't Princess Mononoke. It's, it's San. Yes. And no one other refers to it. They refer to her as either the wolf princess or San. Um, there's and Mononoke actually in Japanese means like, like spirit thing. So it like the title is literally like, like princess ghosts. Yeah. Or like princess forest spirit. It's so the the way I read it in because they say Princess Mononoke like once maybe, um, but the only person who ever says it is someone from Iron Town. I think it's Aboshi or oh. one of the Iron Town people. Um, and the way I read that as um, her name is San, but like the people of Iron Town don't see her as a person. They see her as like a a weird human that like comes and kills them with wolves yeah so like princess mononoke is like she's like some kind of avenging spirit like it, it's like a myth yeah. of, it's like the batman it's like yeah his oh, name's yeah. not oh, batman yeah. you know his name is bruce wayne but like the criminals know him as batman because he's a giant fucking yeah. bat guy who comes he's, in he's the ass. batman exactly so that that's how i always read it um and how i kind of picked up on it like more i think than the the rewatches i just did but i think that's pretty much the same case in the japanese like it's more or less just what it is um, i also totally expected and i guess this is me mm-hmm. coming from like an english bias like how we how we write movies and shit is that oh he's a prince and they keep setting up like hey you're a prince you're a prince you're a prince mm-hmm. and then like they keep setting up that like hey we're calling this wolf spirit girl princess mm-hmm. uh and i'm like oh maybe there's gonna be like something explicit there yeah i mean uh, n- not not really they have a relationship i actually kind yeah. of i kind of like how their relationship develops i think it works for me i think it works almost better for me than like house moon castles does um mm-hmm. because like these two people like actually have things in common um whether or not they ever have yeah, like true. a moment where they just sit and talk about it but like you kind of there's parallels between them where they're both like outsiders from the current lands they're living in they're they're both trying to fight for the the side of nature more or less um but like this just worked for me in in a way that like i i like houseman i think we talked about for houseman castle where like that relationship doesn't really have legs to stand on it's kind of just like she does stuff for him yeah they don't put the ground they don't they don't earn that no but here i think they they do earn it a little bit actually i think they earn earn it so much that i'm surprised the relationship isn't more explicitly hey we're into each other yeah i would i would agree with that like i i, I totally expected her to, to use a japanese sort of like turn of phrase to like be like a to cindere like towards like the prince dude, i mean she basically is she's basically a cindere um well actually there's a there's another one there's there's a bunch of those but the one that gets talked about like less is yandere which is uh it's like Sundere except yeah. uh yandere is not like or so Sundere is like um uh it's like a heart of gold but i'm like kind of a dick to you like like i really want to be with you but i'm i do it in a way where like i bully you um whereas yandere yeah, yeah. is it's sort of... um i really want to be with you but i'm fucking crazy and i'm going to kill you 
like oh, okay. like murdery girlfriend <laughs> which is a trope that comes up way more often in anime than it has any right to um i there's only like one explicit example i can think of and i don't want to tell you in case we ever do it on here um oh, okay because it kind of ruins yeah. it um but there if you look for it there's like more than one instance of have you watched my hero academia yes okay yes, I have. uh the um the chick who can steal faces yeah she's yeah, she is yeah. yandere for um the main character the main character yeah. yeah that makes sense Where like she's like she's like into him but like she's like crazy into him like a stalker like like she wants to wear yeah. his face like that like that's that's yandere. But, yeah so like princess mononoke is like almost between those where like she's more sundere than yandere but like at some moment yeah, she's yeah. like i'm going to fucking murder you um which i mean fair uh, one other part about this movie that i do like and i uh, i think it has a comedic effect even though i don't think that's what they were going for yeah. is that uh, the main character has super strength uh but like doesn't like show it off and it just like kind of comes up around somehow but the times it comes up are just really funny Mm -hmm. when he just like really casually walks up to people and because like he he, it always happens when he gets to know people and then like they start doing something he doesn't like and so he goes like no stop that and like grabs them and then they're just like fuck i can't move (laughs) like he's just or he just like like when he punches out uh san who also has like like captain america level like superhuman abilities but he's just like uh, like a little quick jab and she's just like fucking out <laughs> and it's just like damn i mean being cursed a bummer but useful <laughs> so actually um i feel like we're kind of just there with what we talked about beat by beat um but i actually really one of my favorite scenes in this movie and the scene that like even rewatching it like gave me a little bit shivers uh so like when when san comes to iron town is like going she's trying to murder a lady aboshi and then yeah. uh, Ashitaka's entire goal is, like, he's trying to stop her from doing it because he doesn't want her to die. So it's like, you're just going to get murdered by a bunch of dudes if you do this. Um, so he's, like, trying to stop her. And then he has that moment where, like, they're fighting and they're, like, surrounded by villagers who are all, like, stabbing at them. And he just goes, like, full demon mode and, like, bends the one dude's sword backwards. And, yeah. and it's like moments like that where I'm like, okay, I understand why you made the choice to make him like a very silent protagonist because it makes those moments work better where he's yeah, yeah. like, it's, it's character through action instead of character through dialogue. Exactly. And that's, that's pretty funny. And he just random. like has that like snapping moment where like, he just like, he bends the dude's sword and he stops Lady Eboshi and what's her face from fighting and San from fighting and knocks them both out. And just like a super cool, yeah. like I think a moment works like you feel the tension in the scene really well um and it's just it's a really good fucking scene like if anyone if you haven't seen this watch it and like if you don't want to watch the whole movie watch this scene and yeah yeah just just watch yeah. uh san's attack on iron town it's a and really really good scene like yeah the main character's reaction to it is like super badass it, it, but yeah and it's badass like in a way that's different than a lot of other action anime heroes where it's like it's not yeah. like way over the top he's like subtly and deliberately doing what he's doing that is one of my absolute favorite uh like tropes in any media is the person who is so much more badass than everyone around them that they just casually remind everybody (laughs) that like it's just like like a badass dude doing badass stuff 
and like everyone's just like fuck what yeah it's like it's like when um uh, it's like when like a major league player like goes down and like plays a game with like uh, like double A ball or something, and it's just like, oh right, you're basically a superhero, but you're dealing with people on your level all the time. So when you come down to normal level, it you can really see that oh man, all of our pathetic bullshit and swords and guns really not just don't uh, really mean much, yeah. Not don't really mean yeah. much, yeah. Um, so I think. Uh, going back a little bit so like once um one of my other really favorite parts about this movie is um when ashitaka first gets to iron town um oh that's another weird thing in the japanese it doesn't have a name like iron town hmm. like iron town's like a like the name of the town in the english dub in japanese it's called like the ironworks or something but it's not like capitalized it's like Lady Eboshi's Iron Ironworks, like it's not an actual town. It's like a, a place where she makes weapons. Is kind of what it oh, more sounds okay. like. Maybe that's not oh, the okay. intention, but like in English, they deliberately like try to give it like a personality, like a like a full name. Yeah. Like that's yeah, what it's, everyone oh, calls it's Iron it. Town. Yeah, yeah. But in the Japanese, they don't really do that. It's it's more of like them referring to it vaguely. Like they never say what the name of the town is. They don't say the t- town has a name. It's that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just like the the spot yeah that's the like the, the place where we all names live. exist yeah. yeah names exist to distinguish one from others and if there aren't any others then a name isn't required yeah it's like that's the place where we all live that we make iron at is basically how they talk about it and not like it's mm. like an actual village um and i kind of like that in english a little better that it gives it a bit more personality which which makes sense because like uh, they keep referring to like, yeah, Lady Boshi swept through and grabbed all these prostitutes from the, and then they don't say mm-hmm. where. Uh, so it it's re- like you get through context that there must be some sort of larger human establishment somewhere yeah. that had a bunch of prostitutes. And Lady Boshi like rolled through that town and took them all and made her own little colony. I think it's presumably probably a lot of places. She probably just like picked them up from a bunch of different locations. More oh, than likely. Okay. It's kind that of the implication sense. I got. Like she's been like she basically like purchased prostitutes from different locations and then gave them jobs doing other stuff. Which is pretty oh, cool. Oh, okay. But like so anyway, sense. like one of my favorite things one of my it's right before uh San comes to attack Lady Boshi, but when Ashitaka like shows up in the village and he's like hanging out um and like checking out iron town and like doing the whole like uh seeing with eyes and clouded by hate yeah, yes seeing with unclouded. yeah yeah uh he's doing that whole thing um i really really liked all that because it establishes all of the it establishes the villagers as not like bad people they're just yes. like people yes. living in a town trying to do their best like they're not like they're not destroying the forest because they hate the forest really it's more like well, there's iron under the trees. Like, we gotta get the iron if we're gonna, like, make iron. Like, we gotta. Like, we just gotta do that thing. And, you yeah. know, if and it's like, I think the other side of it, it's like, the women, if they weren't there making the iron, they would all still be, like, prostitutes in some other town. And this is a much better yeah. life for them in general. Like, <clears throat> regardless of whether or not what they're doing is bad for the environment, it is better for those individual people. Um, which is kind it, of this also is really salient this came out in like 97 yeah and it's like man like Miyazaki was like up on this like this is a absolute like climate change parable story yeah. that's my big thing this is 100% like like yeah it's got like a fantasy overlay but the undertones of it are all just the theming is just 
completely like global warming like destroying the environment like that's 100 with some text like for sure yeah it's like it's it's somehow even more relevant today yeah. oh and one of the other thing uh this is like my last point mm-hmm. that i had is um man in this universe it is super fucking easy to kill a god you just need to shoot it once with a gun. Uh, I'm <laughs> sorry, like, Adam. She shoots it twice. Damn. No, no, I know. I mean, like the boar guy. Oh, the boar guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you need like so, there are some people that you need to shoot more than once with a gun. Yeah. But those gods are just like you shoot me once with a gun. I'm gonna stick around for a few more days, but I'm pretty much out. And it's like, damn. Okay. Yeah. And not even like a special metal. It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like obsidian or like or like ur gold. It's just like. Nah, we just have some dirty iron. Yeah. We're just, we're going to kill a god by giving it sepsis. Well, I mean, that, that like plays into the theming though almost that it's like you're killing mythology with technology. And that's. Yeah, and that's, and that's exactly what like sort of the theme from uh, Lord of the Rings uh, was also kind of saying is like, yeah, Sauron is like killing mythology by like making iron and orcs and shit. Oh, so it's really funny. You got the. Um... The, I think that that parallel between this and um, uh, Lord of the Rings works really well. My One of my very first notes was, this is going to be the closest we ever get to a legit Legend of Zelda movie that's good. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Because okay. this is just Legend of Zelda, 100% to me. Because um, you got to, like, your main character is, like, pretty, like, quiet, like, soft-spoken... Kind of just a general he is badass. Full on Link. Yeah, he's just Link. Like he comes from a weird like fairy people village. Yeah. Wears weird clothing. I mean, there's no direct parallel to like who Princess Zelda is. Like it's kind of like kind of Princess Mononoke, but not really. Oh, it would absolutely be Princess Mononoke. It's like uh, it's like Zelda from um, Wind Waker. From the. Oh, I was gonna say it's like Zelda from uh, Ocarina of Time. Oh yeah, Zelda's like super badass and like running around. It's true. The yeah, time. with Sheik, I totally forgot Sheik. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I yeah. think you for sure like that's the parallel I was thinking. I'm like, this is like they're they're gonna try to make a Legend of Zelda movie at some point. It might hopefully it's animated. I hope God, I hope it's animated. Um, but at some point they're going to, and it's gonna be bad. And then every time yeah. someone complains about it being bad, I'm just like, okay, wait, wait, wait. But we already got it. It's Princess Mononoke. Just watch that instead. Just go. Yeah, just, just go watch Princess. Go Mononoke. watch that. Please. Uh, okay, so uh, let's make a drink based off of this here. This here movie for sure. Let's do it. Uh, man, I got like zero ideas. Um, the big one. I don't. We haven't used sake in anything yet, and I feel like this is a good movie to use sake in a drink. We have not. Uh, the only thing is, I really dislike using sake as in a component to a cocktail because it's kind of like trying to use beer in a cocktail. You can do it. It just won't come out uh, very well. It's just not. Yeah, you, it's it's not super. In, like it's not super cocktail like usable that's fair uh, um so what if you try to use it, it as like um what if you try to do something like how in a new york sour you do like a cabernet float and you did like a sake mm. float the only problem with the sake float is that sake is clear that's true but if you make the right <laughs> kind of drink it might work maybe hmm maybe I do like the idea of having some, like, the New York Sour where it has, like, two very distinct, like, pieces. Yeah. And, like, you can have, like, there's an economy between, like, the forest. Because this is a, this is very much a conflict movie. Yeah. Like, the whole thing is that there's a conflict between the people and industry Mm -hmm. and the spirits and the forest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
form. Hmm. The only the liquids that are in this movie that makes me think of it is like the super rad clear water in the Spirit Oasis, mm-hmm. uh, the gross, gross, gross goo that pours out of the uh, the Spirit. Which, oh, oh yeah. by the way, the Spirit like uh, really makes a cameo appearance in the first season of Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's probably the other way around. Well, I mean, obviously it's the other way around because Avatar. yeah, yeah, but like. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then the other liquid is uh, all the blood in Princess Mononoke's mouth all the time. <laughs> Literally all the time. Um, yeah. So wait, one thing before we do the cocktail. What did you think about the uh, the big climactic like like third act more or less? Um, I the big climactic third act. Uh, I did I did like where they were going with mm-hmm. it, where it's like, oh yeah, she's gonna shoot off the head, and then we gotta get the head. Uh, I feel like they dragged out the whole like chasing down uh, Jigo and getting the head back yeah. like way too much like like by like five minutes or more. I could definitely like, see they that. really dragged that out and it's like no nah, just get give him the head back because one uh, we know you're gonna mm-hmm. and two uh, you're not doing like any cool badass shit you're just like slowly running through a forest. The way I saw that more is. Um why that was good to do was less because of what the heroes were doing because like you get your full first and second acts or just your heroes doing shit and then talking up this god and like why you shouldn't do this um and then i saw all of that as less of like i don't really care about what the heroes like they're trying to save the day or whatever but then there's like this big mad demon god that's just killing everything like that's the that's the reason why i felt like that was going on for as long as it did was to kind of really sink home of like this is why you don't do this. This is the yeah. This is climate change. This is climate change. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, Please don't mm-hmm. do this. You're killing everything. Stop. Like that's that's kind of where I, I got it from. That. Whereas like, mm. like the f- I think they they I think there could be a good like two minutes shaved off of the preamble up to shooting that thing's head yeah. off, where everyone's just like at the oasis and everyone keeps slowly coming to the oasis and everyone's in boar costumes and San gets sucked into uh I, yeah i don't even know why that plot point even existed where she gets mm-hmm. sucked into keith david pig and well i guess it was so that the main character had like a thing he could do to like sacrifice himself to save her yeah I kinda... but he also he already he already fucking did that he got shot he didn't need to do it again that's pretty uh, true. so you could just like throw that entirely off and then i think they could shave about two minutes off of the whole uh, chase sequence where uh, it's not showing the god destroying shit mm-hmm. and it's just Son and the main character running after Jigo and being like, give us the head. No. Give us the head. No. I would agree. Give us the head. No. I agree with you on them chasing Jigo. I kind of disagree on the Keith David Son thing because I see that as... So like you've got like your two major plots, which is... Well, I mean, maybe like three-ish. So you've got like... Well, no, I would say two. So um, you've got Jigo and Aboshi trying to kill the god. But then, like, the kind of, like, love subplot is there, too. And I feel mm-hmm. like um, Ashitaka being able to save her from Keith from uh, Keith David Bohr, um is kind of like the culmination of all the things between them up until that moment. Where it's like, they kind of had that, like initially they weren't on the same side they kind of grew closer together and this is like him once again coming to like 
them meeting up on some level that makes any sense like him saving her there is thematically tying up that plot i suppose i don't know it feels like a hat on a hat to me after he saved her in the iron village well and then i so what i would argue that is that is like him showing her that like he does care about her or like wants to do right because like even after that like she doesn't like she almost like kills him like she threatens to kill him like that doesn't convince her that they're on the same side um and then they have like quiet moments together after that where they kind of have those like a little bit of a bonding but it's never really like solidified and this is them like fully coming together and then like him stopping her from killing aboshi is like part of that where it's i think him pulling her more towards his side where he's like you know humans aren't that bad like we're you know we're flawed obviously but like that doesn't mean you should kill us all like that's kind of that like dynamic whereas like like aboshi killing like getting the head off of the god is like part of like that's the beginning of the climax for that arc or that arc that like plot line and then like obviously jigo having to let go of his selfishness to why he doesn't really even do that jigo doesn't have a real arc jigo at the very end is just like "Eh, well whatever (laughs) yeah yeah jigo has no arc jigo didn't learn a fucking thing honestly jigo kind of like it i kind of like it the very end of the movie should just be Jigo like un uh, like eating a candy bar and then throwing the wrapper directly on the ground and walking away. His literal line is like, "Well, can't argue with fools," and it's like, "Great job, Jigo! You really got you, you know what? You figured it out. You figured out everything. You really took you really took that lesson home. You fucking ass. Maybe he should have lost an arm, and maybe he would have learned something. Uh, maybe Jigo should have fucking died. Probably, yeah. That's what that character should have, should have done. Oh, is gotten got a bunch gone. of other people did. So you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So cocktail, cocktail, cocktail <laughs> all right. Cocktail. Um, so okay, yeah, cocktail. Um, the weird, the big deer that what it has a different name. The deer god, the god of death. Um, is basically no, that's not what they call it though. It has like an actual. Oh name. oh oh oh, nega god. Yeah, it's the nega god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's mecha godzilla. But no, it's this Nightwalker. It's the Nightwalker. Oh, the Nightwalker. It's the spirit of the forest, and then it's the Nightwalker. Um, it's the it's the metaphorical replacement for uh, global warming and nuclear bombs. Got yeah, it. yeah. There's a little bit of nuclear bombs in there. This one's definitely more global warming for sure, though. For sure, yeah. Um Whereas Akira was 100 percent just uh, nuclear bombs. Nuclear weapons are bad. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Okay, so stop stop making nuclear weapons or these wrinkly kids are gonna touch you with their hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those wrinkly kids. Those wrinkly kids. Anyway. Oh, I hate it so much. Um, so okay, but that's got like a weird, cool color to it, where it's kind of like um night sky y, like like it's speckled and it's purple and black. Purple, um oh, um, gin with uh butterfly pt we've done that already uh, well we've done the pt before yeah there is a gin that they came out right now that's just purple and just has it in there already oh that's cool it's like yeah yeah it's called empress gin uh, it's it's fine i actually haven't drank the gin itself but i'm sure like the better idea is to just get powdered butterf- butterfly pt mm-hmm. and then use whatever gin you want yeah that's pretty fair or you could just like infuse your gin with pt yeah it work pretty well um uh I think I think if you did if you did something that color if you got something that's like really purple, you could totally do a sake float and it would work. Huh, like an aviation 
Yeah, so like, like an aviation. Uh, violet liqueur makes things hella purple. Yeah, that's true. And it's floral, and it so that's kind of that's thematic, where it's like plants. Yeah, and is very sweet, mm-hmm. so you could have a dry sake on top. Mm-hmm. Almost as if you were going to drink a shot of sake before drinking the cocktail. Like, it would have to float on top. I don't know if sake floats on cocktail. It should. It's Well, it's basically like rice wine, so it should have yeah. the same density difference. Yeah. As like a, a sour mm. would. So what if you did like, okay, so you do like a gin sour with um, a... Gin, I think, is a good idea because, you know, botanical. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, that's what I was thinking too, botanicals. That just makes a lot of sense. And there might be some kind yeah. of Japanese gin you could use. I don't oh yeah roku oh yeah roku yeah i've had that recently actually um yeah yeah roku roku's good affordable solid japanese yeah there you go that's a good one to use um and then yeah either do a pt infusion or the violet liqueur might work better um i'm not really sure it'll make it a lot sweeter i would say i would say maybe uh make an aviation Mm -hmm. basically like so like gin lemon violet liqueur but instead of maraschino Mm -hmm. uh just don't fucking have the maraschino and instead of, like, sometimes when people make aviations, they sink the violet liqueur. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, don't do that. Just shake it up it together. Yeah. And so that it's, like, all purple and stuff. And then float sake over the top. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. And you would have to pick, like, a oh, like a dry sake. Like, you, mm-hmm. can't, you can't do a nigori that's all white and cloudy. No. And, like, textural. Yeah. Because I, I don't think that would be good. I don't know if it would be good. It might look better. It might look better. But I was also it thinking if you do it with... So the, when you do a float with a New York sour, if you do a New York sour with an egg white, the uh, red wine sits below the foam. So if you did an egg white aviation with a sake float, you would end up with a clear sake float with egg white on top and the aviation on the bottom mm, and that would that look, would pretty look cool. really cool if you used a nigori mm-hmm. but nigori is sweet and that's just sweet on sweet on sweet no i mean i'm agreeing with you if you do like um are the dryer like like a dry like unclouded like a no yeah yeah like a like a not a nigori yeah. uh you would have to use like a a junmai yeah which is like uh like one of the least polished rice like vinegar like sakes uh yeah it goes junmai junmai ginjo and junmai daiginjo and each time they polish more of the rice and it gets sweeter and sweeter gotcha uh and then there's nigori which is like its own fourth category uh and it's sweet because they leave a bunch of the um uh, sugars that were used to ferment mm-hmm. it like in in the product gotcha so which one is the most uh, clear the most clear uh nigori is the only one that's cloudy Everything else is uh, clear as, yeah. I think clear and dry would work well because basically what you would end up with is your aviation, which is purple, your sake, which is clear and dry, and then a layer of your egg white foam. And that would look pretty cool. I could see that. Okay, so the base cocktail, we couldn't want, we couldn't just do an aviation because Mm. that would be too sweet and that would be like uh, too much. So I would think just like, Right off the bat, just take the maraschino liqueur and just like throw it away. Yeah, that's fair. I don't like and then just anyway. uh, maybe you just make a daiquiri build 
um, just a three ingredient like sour build. So just gin, lemon juice, uh, violet liqueur. Mm-hmm. Instead of your sweetener, then, yeah. Yeah. That probably works. And then shake it up with egg white and then float uh, a full ounce of sake on top. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to bring a lot, lot of ABV. No. It would be like, yeah, it would be like the wine on top of a New York sour. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking something on top of the foam though to give off. Um, I was thinking something to incorporate like iron, like red. Here's the problem is that iron, like whenever you hold a spiral bound notebook in high school, like and you smell your hand, it's awful. No, that's true. No, I'm not, I'm not saying like actual iron. I mean like something, something like red and flaky that you could put on top man i don't know if like red clear white and purple like work together that's fair uh and like i guess yeah you could sprinkle like fucking like paprika or like harissa over the top but i don't think that would be that would not be good no uh maybe like maybe you could do like a great like grating of something like nutmeg or like um I was going to say, like, nutmeg, because the only other visual theme that Irontown has yeah. is a lot of, like, wood and brown. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That could work. Or maybe if you just did, like, some kind of bitters on top. Like, some kind of oh, red bitters. Oh, what the fuck are we even thinking? If we're thinking about red and egg white sour, just Angostura bitters. Yeah. In fact, actually, maybe maybe go with Peychaud's bitters, because they're even... They're lighter red. Yeah. And that kind of gets, yeah. like... um I don't know. There's a lot of violence in this. Like, not a lot of blood per yeah. se, but I mean, there's a decent amount of blood. There's more blood in this than, amount of blood. than any other Studio Ghibli movie, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, so that actually, works. actually, maybe Angostura because it's, it's dark and it, it works better. Yeah. yeah, I think, like, um, yeah, you can express, like, a lemon peel over the top to get rid of, to knock off that white dog smell that egg white sometimes yeah. has. And then, um, and then just, like, bunch of drops of angostura bitters that you can just like run a toothpick through to make look cool yeah sounds pretty good i don't know if that would like yeah this would this is almost turning into a a a pousse cafe layered on layer on layer drink which is difficult yeah which is difficult to make but i mean that's fine this is all theoretical adam yeah shit maybe we should even just (laughs) Uh, sink the uh, violet liqueur just so we can actually lean into this and actually make a pousse cafe. <laughs> I mean, there you. I mean, you could totally do that for sure. Uh, I think doing well, that and then also doing a sake float might be might be difficult. But oh, it would be horribly difficult. It would never work. <laughs> we would we might be able to get it to work once every five times for and like we would take that picture for Instagram. Yeah, and then never be able to do it in person. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think definitely like just shake the violet liqueur in with yeah, the, that's probably just easier. The gin. Okay, so so how would we make this? So I'm thinking like an ounce and a half of gin. Yeah. Not like a full like two ounce like sour build, just an ounce and a half of gin. I think lemon juice is the right call for that. Which um, we just do an aviation build, but regardless. Yeah. And like. Half an ounce lemon juice, half an ounce violet liqueur. Probably so. I mean, you might be able to go Probably. a little higher on your lemon juice than that because yeah, I could definitely see going a little bit higher. Maybe on go lemon juice. Actually, uh, let's just go ahead and go with uh, three fourths ounce. Yeah. The violet liqueur is going to be really sweet. 
and then feel like regardless of how dry the sake is it's probably going to not really counteract that too much no violet liqueur all right what and then kind of glass do you think this goes in my instinct is always a coupe so yeah my instinct is also always a coupe coupes are great yeah coupes are are really good looks pretty like uh i could see it going in a uh a a tumbler with a big rock Mm -hmm. like a new york sour yeah that could work if we want to really yeah if we want to really like show the differentiation between like this clear section and then like the cocktail a clear band and then the foam Mm -hmm. i could see that Yeah, that's pretty fair i'm kind of into that yeah just on a big rock and a rocks glass yeah, yeah. Okay, and then a full ounce of Junmai sake. And egg white. And uh, Angster bitters. Good old Ango. That is really just the best kind of bitters. That blows my mind. They... That we've just never... No, nothing anyone has invented has come up close to that yet. No, really not. For like 200 years. Yeah, that's wild. It's fucking crazy. Okay, so let's see. Okay, so what we have right here is uh, oh, we have to think of a name for this drink. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, we can call it something like um, Nightwalker or um, Spirit of the Forest. Oh, that's damn! That's really good. <laughs> you know what we should call it? And call it a Deer God. We should call it a Deer God. Okay, we'll call it a Deer God. I'm okay with that. Or right, should we? Okay, now here's the question: Should we call it a Deer God or should we call it Deer God? Uh, we should call it Deer God with two E's, for sure. It's a Deer God. Deer God. Yeah. It's a Deer God. Dear God, please don't kill me. Yes. <laughs> Should we just call it that? (laughs) No, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Dear God, please don't kill me. But with two E's. I'm sticking with it. It's D-E-E-R. Yeah, yeah. Dear 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 God, God, please don't kill me. Like you're asking it to. Dear God, please don't kill me. me. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, I forgot to mention something. uh, One of the... Okay, so I think the English dub in general is better. And I will probably stand by that because I think all the voice acting is very solid and there's like a few bits that I think work better in the English. Oh, oh you really think the English? Better? I do. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm also probably biased because I mostly have watched the English dub throughout my life. So like watching the Japanese was weird. Um, but the one thing I'll say about the Japanese dub, um, Lady Eboshi's, uh Secondhand Man you know what I'm talking about? His name is Gonza. Yeah, yeah. He, who gets his sword? Yeah, bit. yeah. He's like a total bitch. Um, yeah. He's like a, a trying to be mask, but total bitch boy, um, which mm-hmm. I actually thought was really funny. Because um, mm-hmm. he's like your typical, like, uh, masculine, like, like, hero-y kind of guy. Well, yeah, toxic masculinity-esque yeah, yeah. dude. Um, even though I think he has a pretty good, like, arc throughout. But anyway, uh, he yeah. has two different moments where he says Nani, 
in like the perfect like nani and it's like yeah in the in the anime yes. way that people who uh, see goku yes. going super saiyan for the first time yes. <laughs> and it's perfect and i'm like oh man you know what that's a point for the japanese one because that's always going to be better than whatever he says in english like i don't regardless yeah like in english we just don't have that like somebody goes like huh or what's that or what like no it does not it just does not beat nani it doesn't translate it's, there's, it, doesn't. It, it really does it's, not it's just there's so much more nani is like when you say it with that it's it really is like you can't say it for kid like cartoons and like kid shows yeah. but it literally should translate to what the fuck exactly <laughs> like, you just can't yeah yeah but it, so you can't have that. It just works and, so much better. That's like one of the, the only yeah. things I noticed from that that I thought worked really, really well. Um, everything else was like fine. Everything else worked. Like it, it's not bad in Japanese for sure. Like like watch it. It's good. But yeah. there's definitely like that. And there's like a couple of moments where like they don't describe things as well. Like they don't give you as much background information. And like sometimes yeah, that's... That, I feel like that's always the case with the English dub. I, well, so the thing is, like, so for some of them in the English dub, they give you, like, too much. Like, they over-explain things. They do this in a lot of in a lot of shonen anime. Mm, where they, I can also they see way that. over-explain everything. Like, uh, fucking JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is, like, a play on all of that. Where they, like, are purposely over-explaining everything. All the yeah. time. And that's yeah. the joke. Um, but a lot of anime just does that, like, unintentionally. Um, and this doesn't get to that point where it's like, you guys need a little bit more here. So we're going to give it to you um, because you don't fully understand what's happening. So like, here's like yeah. a little bit, of, here's like a little bit of extra breadcrumb. Like, just so you're not like completely lost. Um, and I think it it works better in general. And then also, that's okay. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And also, they made Ashtaka not a, uh, a statutory rapist. Um, which is super <laughs> cool. That's also that's really important for your protagonist because he doesn't have much else to go yeah. on by a character, and if the only thing we know about him is he has a child bride, and then it's like, ooh, makes it really hard to like I mean, this guy. Okay. In the Japanese, they they there is no implication they're doing it. There's no implication they're even married yet. It's uh, they call they call him her yeah. betrothed. That's what they say. It's so oh, like, but still, woof. they're not married yet, and like it is kind of it's it's like Middle Ages. It is Middle Ages, and he is a prince, and but no, it's still weird. No. It's still weird. Still not. It's, it's still weird. Still, still not. Good. No, it's like you give you give George R. R. Martin a little bit of a pass in Game of Thrones uh, when he's got like thirteen yeah. year olds getting married and stuff. But you're like, it's still kind of weird. Yeah, it's still kind of weird. Still you, kinda you, weird. And like also, they didn't need to have it as it has evidenced by the English version where it's just like, I'm your sister. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, it, at least in like uh, Game of Thrones, like it has a plot significance, like. It's yes. worked into the story that like you you have to deal with it. And it's kind of weird. And yeah, in this in the in the Japanese version, it's the throwaway. Yes, exactly. So at least George hey, R. Martin if we, if you puts know, a hat on it. If you know anything about this character, the only thing that you should know is that he has a child, right? <laughs> Basically. Okay, so uh, the version one of the dear God, please don't kill me. This <laughs> is a. Uh, an ounce and a half of gin, Japanese gin, if you can get your hands on it. Uh, I would say the Roku would work pretty well because the Roku is kind of sweet by itself. So I think, I think doing the lemon, like three fourths lemon and then half violet core would work really well with that. Yes. So uh, half an ounce, an ounce and a half mm. of Roku gin, three fourths an ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of violet liqueur. Uh, Double shake that with an egg white in whatever order you wish. 
serve it in a tumbler over a large rock, float a full ounce of Junmai sake, and uh, spritz a lemon peel over it, discard the lemon peel, and just go to town uh, with the Angostura bitters, dripping them and making a uh, funky design. Yeah, I think um, if you get but... like, a, like a blood splattery kind of thing, it'll look kind of cool. Yeah, like a blood splattery. Yeah. Like maybe even don't do a design, just like just like two like quick like violent dashes of Angostura bitters to make it look like a blood splat over the top. Yeah, that'd look pretty cool. Just go for it. Okay, yeah, that, that is the version one of that drink. If you want to find the updated versions, uh, check out our Instagram, because when we get around to making these, we always end up tweaking them in in some sort of small Almost ways. Almost definitely. Usually because we try it out, yeah. and it's bad, so we make it better. Because it turns out yeah, we make it better. Uh, you can only get so close to a good cocktail without actually tasting it. You know? It's just kind of how it is. You can like make it in theory, and then it just turns out bad turns out real bad uh all right so that was uh that was our episode on princess uh princess um Mon- boy there's a lot of fu- it's like banana <laughs> there are so many o's in princess this, in this name it is yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's it's banana it's banana but with o's and m's yeah and so uh join us next week where uh logan is actually going to be bringing uh another uh album choice uh, and it is uh, Rock and Roll Machine, which is the second studio album by the Canadian hard rock band Triumph from 1977. And you guys don't know this about me, but uh, I'm really into Triumph. It's like my favorite band. Um, we're going to talk about it. It's going to be great. Yeah. I didn't know you were so into uh, 70s Canadian hard rock, oh, but the cover of this album is tron-esque and i i dig oh, i'm it. super into it i didn't tell you like yeah. one of my what is one of my first concerts i went to go see the guess who oh oh you went to go see the guess yeah. who oh and there was their opener the tri- uh, triumph no 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 <laughs> they're just also a canadian rock band you know triumphs, triumphs oh i didn't oh i didn't anymore. know that. come on come on you don't know that they're, they're oh, no, no, no I don't. Yeah, you, you're the one. You're the one who's introducing me yeah, to right. specifically Rock and Roll Machine. I'm sorry, I, their second studio. I album. just always forget, but no one else knows who Triumph is. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. It's it. I'm just, it's so ingrained in the back of my head. It's like you know, I just can't, can't, can't separate it. It's just in there, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> Peace. I'm Adam. And I'm Logan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Adam1Z4J2. And you can find me at Redenfield, R E D D E N F I E L D. And if you just want to get in touch with us like directly just for the podcast, you can go ahead and email us at overlyhornybostonbusdriver at gmail.com. Logan, how do, you, how do you spell that? Okay, I'm not spelling that, but it is. Overly horny Boston bus driver, all one word, no spaces, no caps at gmail.com. Pretty easy to figure out. Looking looking forward to your emails, everybody. Sure are. <laughs>